0: Welcome to Design Thinking Games, a gaming and user experience podcast. Card-carrying UXers Tim Broadwater and Michael Schofield examine the player experience of board games, pen and paper role-playing games, live-action games, and video games. Play through the backlog on your podcatcher of choice and on the web at designthinkinggames.com.
1: I'm, I'm Jared Kaplan, and um, so I am one half of Lonely Hero Games, and uh, my day job is in marketing, and I uh, have a marketing business with a business partner where we do uh, web design and social media marketing, those sorts of things, and I also work for a resort where I do all of the web and marketing stuff there.
2: Well, I'm uh, I'm Chris Kincaid. I'm the other half of uh, Lonely Hero Games. Uh, I'm from Beckley, West Virginia, but currently uh, live and work in Morgantown, West Virginia. My wife's family's from here. Um, My day job, I'm a family medicine physician. I currently work for WVU and uh, associate professor there. Uh, Let's see. That's pretty much it. Straightforward. I mean, that's my day job. And every other minute is babies and board games, so.
3: <laughs> I guess the first thing we kind of want to know is how did you come up with, like, Lonely Hero Games?
2: <laughs> it's a very unique name, so. Lonely Hero Games kind of, we, t- we tossed around a few names, but we kind of landed on that one a little bit early. Um, I'll let Jared chime in with any additions here, but I pretty much the way it kind of always, res- uh, you know, resounded with me was uh, whenever you're playing a game even if it's a co-op game or a team game or even a video game it doesn't really matter who else is there you're always like you're the you're the center of your own movie you know you're always the lonely hero of your own story regardless of whatever yeah. things are going on and that just kind of kind of fit because also you think about like the, the gamer person is often the or at least historically kind of the, the nerd or sometimes the outcast and and yet, you know, we, we like to create situations where they get to be the hero, they get to win, they get to be the champion. Um,
1: that's how it always rang, rang in my head anyway. We just needed a name, you know? And then this name, I can't remember like how it was first said or whatever, but it was just like, this kind of is weirdly perfect. You know? Uh,
3: how did you, like backstory-wise, how did you two ever meet each other?
1: Yeah, so we have uh, mutual friends who, um, a close friend of mine and a close friend of Chris's, they became friends. And then through them, then we all started getting getting together as a group to, you know, whether it was to watch movies or play games, mostly play games. Um, We all started getting together. And uh, then Chris and I, there was just a couple of times, you know, we just sort of hung out later than the rest of the group, you know, and hit it off and just, really um formed a a nice friendship and uh we one night we were having a um board game night and uh no one showed up but us and so um (laughs) yeah we just started talking about a game that um I had an idea for and and Chris you know was excited about it and just like wanted to dig in and then it was just like okay cool and uh it was just sort of born that night um not all came together
4: did you guys work from any kind of like um, playbook or some like any kind of like blog about how, how to even start making a game or did you just wing it?
1: Really, I would say no, um, at least from the beginning. So like at the very start, it was more of like, oh, here's an idea for a game. And I think most people at some point have had an idea for something. A lot of people, games, a lot of people, wouldn't this make a cool movie or a cool book or whatever? And, you know, a lot of times I know myself, I've had those thoughts. I've probably thought of 7,000 movies in my head, but, uh, this time, you know, when you get together with a person and you start talking about it, it's like, well, this is like real, we're putting stuff on paper. Um, and from there it was just sort of like writing down ideas and how it could work. Um, we didn't really get into the like how- to's of anything until it came to more of things like production and and running a Kickstarter and those sorts of things. But in terms of like designing the game itself, um, this might be a bad way to do it, but for our first game, but we just sort of did it. I mean, I don't know if Chris remembers it any different. Maybe he can provide some more input on that no we
2: i agree we didn't really uh take it from a well let's research how to make a game point of view we just said well we play a lot of games we're both smart guys we both have a certain skill set let's uh let's just make one and we already had a pool of friends who we could try it out on um so as soon as we put together a little rough cut which was very rough i'm talking like glued to the back of playing cards cards and <laughs> Uh, two pieces of like eight by 11 printer paper taped together with a board drawn on it, uh, which evolved into a dry erase board. Uh, and again, it's fun because now I got this drawer that has all the evolutions of the game as it, as it came about. But uh, literally we just played and luckily like the first two playthroughs, people are like, well, it's not perfect, but this is a lot of fun. And then you just tweak it till you get it right. And honestly uh, we were just kind of, kind of blessed there in the beginning because some of the stuff that's very hard you know in hindsight trying to make new games and trying to work out the bugs it just sort of gently happened for that first game it just worked and it we got it right early and um things just fit and then all we had to do is show it to people and that's where he he said you know we kind of researched okay well we should show it to friends and they like it now let's show it to strangers and okay they like it too um and one of the Great things about our first game was that everybody enjoyed playing it, even if it's not your type of game.
3: Design Thinking Games is a proud affiliate of Hunt a Killer. Enter the world of Hunt a Killer in their newest murder mystery season, Mallory Rock. This realistic murder mystery game delivers high-quality, handcrafted evidence that brings a fictional case to life. Can you solve a mystery with Hunt a Killer? Go to designthinkinggames.com slash Hunt a Killer or click on the banner at the bottom of our website. I love the fact that you're like, hey, we showed it to friends and your metric was they enjoyed it. And so when you started showing to strangers, what was, how did you show it to strangers? What strangers?
2: Well, there's a game store in Beckley. That's uh, we kind of knew the owner of, and we asked him if we could demo it there. Um, And we, that was our first one with real strangers. Like um, we demoed it earlier than that with people who don't necessarily play games, but we knew, so they're always nice to us, you know? Um, But when we sat down and explained it with strangers, which was really more of a test of the rule book because we were confident on the game for a lot of it, but, uh, they liked it. They were having fun. And the best part of watching that is when the game, when we're no longer involved and the game takes over, like Mm -hmm. they're laughing and and joking. And in our game, it's a social, that, that game is a uh, social deception game. So they're like calling each other out and it's getting a little heated in places, but people are laughing. We actually also got uh, a few playtests at like uh, Books A Million and a few other just random places you wouldn't necessarily expect. What other places
3: apart from Books A Million?
2: Some random people invited us. I had a teacher friend who really liked that we were doing anything like that. And she invited us over and had a whole bunch of her, well, invited yeah, us over to show the game and had a whole bunch of her teacher people over. I knew none of them but her. And some of them were in games and some of them were just friends. And they kind of took it and ran with it. Uh, that was at a personal home so just just a bunch of stuff kind of like that occurred there might be others that jared can think of.
1: yeah i would say the only other one um that comes to mind initially would be um uh a convention that a convention is normally a good place to do this kind of thing but um it was what's called cause and it's in beckley and it's not a board game convention by any means they they do have a small tabletop gaming room um But we were um, the only game, you know, aspiring game designers at the convention. Um, But that was like our first like setting it down in front of just like the masses, so to speak. When I say the masses, we're talking like several hundred people, not like thousands and thousands. But anywho, uh, just random people who would approach us and ask about it. And then we did some demos in that gaming room. And that was, like, the first realization of, I think, um, of how to present ourselves to the general public, if if that makes sense. How to market ourselves in our game and and get feedback. and, And, you know, I mean, it's not like every person that sat down with us had the time of their life. And those experiences are the first time where you learn the first part of, um, okay, who is our audience? And then you sort of have to break it down a little further and understand like, okay, who do we think is actually, yes, they are our audience, but they're not having a good time because there's going to be those people who are never going to have a good time, no matter how good your game is. And then there's going to be those people that should be, and they're not. And so those are the ones to focus on in terms of what can we be doing better? And so that was like the first learning experience with that kind of thing.
3: So like you listen to stuff that users say or the, the, the players say, and you have to, can you speak to like, well, I think you spoke to it, but it's like some stuff, you're very focused on the people like, they wanna like the game, but that's your improvement metrics right there. And then there's other people who are, I'm assuming if you're talking about hundreds of people, like you're showing it to and demoing it at a con, there's just people who are like, meh, and kind of keep walking by or may say something and you have to know how to say that that's not really, we'll take that suggestion and put it in file 13 or whatever. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, so like before, before getting into all of this, like, you know, I personally, you know, I, I liked games and I liked playing. I wasn't super deep into the community, so to speak. And so I didn't realize that it was kind of, there was, you know, different factions of the community that like different types of games. They're just like, oh, everyone loves all games. No, people are not (laughs) gonna, you know, somebody might like a heavy, you know, this type of game, worker placement, area control, and they're not gonna like social deduction. I was calling our game a party game for a long time when we were first getting into it. And I learned fast to just remove that word because for so many people that, did end up liking our game they did not like the genre party game it's sort of a turnoff but to me i just thought of it as a party game because people are laughing and having fun but um it, it really just we needed to focus it down into this is a social deduction game and so a lot of times we don't want to waste someone's time um and mm-hmm. our time valuable too so it's better for us to be upfront about the type of game well this mm-hmm. is a social production game do you like those types of games and if they're just sort of like oh not really or you know uh then we kind of let them go or if they mention one that they like then we can kind of build from there
4: have you done any kind of like um uh like uh the, the purity of just being able to say like this is the type of game it is and go find those people uh is uh feels foreign to me in my line of work like like did you ever do any did you ever have to do with any of your games any kind of like product market fit so uh It's this type of game, but we notice that there just aren't enough people in that niche. So we're going to change it into a different type of game? Or have you been, like, unencumbered from that? I figure there's, like, an elevator
3: pitch, right? Like, you have to be able to deliver it in a small time as well.
2: Yeah, boy, we've gotten good at that. Um, At cons, because you have people walking by the table and you just give them, like, the... There's definitely people you look at and who, who kind of walk by the table. They only need the 30-second pitch, but there's other people you're like, okay, this guy is definitely uh, really on board. He gets the four-minute pitch, you know. Um, but so two things with what you asked there. First, you can't please everybody with every game. So if you sit down, to, it's better to make a good social deduction game and sell it to people who want to play social deduction games than to try to make it broader and hey, this is a sort of a social deduction game with this because a lot of times you compromise what you set out to do if you try to please everybody. So kind of like you'd said, you just target your audience, um, which is why we demo this, this game in the um, deception room at Origins. Um, so that's a, a room, basically a floor essentially, a big ballroom where all they play in there is social deduction games. So people go around from table to table every few hours playing a different one. And all those people love those, and that's, they're your core audience. There's no, playing with them is very different than playing with strangers, because they're there for that. Whereas when you're at a different type of con or, a, or an open gaming area, you kind of got to sell it a little different. And a lot of people, because social deduction is not a huge genre, a lot of people like that, they've just never experienced it before. Um, and some people do. I mean, th- there's been people who've sat down and obviously you could tell, eh, this isn't going to be the game for their Thanksgiving. But there's others who, we you know, we've been going to these cons now for a few years and they'll come back and be like, hey, I love you guys. We bought this game two years ago. It's our Thanksgiving game. It's our Christmas game. Our whole family loves it. You know, my, uh, my, my aunt chloroformed my grandfather last time we played it and we all thought it was hilarious <laughs> with that. So, yeah, I think it's better to make the game you're trying to make and make it good as opposed to trying to at everybody's niche.
4: A well-designed war game is hard to make, but if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know we stand Hell Let Loose. This realistic, immersive World War II shooter that not only requires that you play well, but that your squad plays well together, and well with other squads. There's no HUD, there are no scopes, one shot, and you're down if you can't fortify, flank, and suppressed as a team, you lose. And because of that, in my opinion, Hell at Loose deserves many game awards. If that rings true and you want to help the show, consider downloading it through Gamersgate. No, not that Gamersgate. The Gamersgate that came before the controversy that hijacked the name. GamersGate is the world's largest online store for PC and Mac games—more than 4,500 of them. And if you download Hell Let Loose or another game through designthinkinggames.com/gamersgate, it'll help us keep the lights on. I'll see you on the beach.
3: I can see how understanding the terminology and being able to say because I mean I feel like gamers are pretty sharp, especially if you can say this is a social deduction game. It's also a card drafting game, or this is a social deduction slash. And then if you're calling it a party game, everyone's like, spit on that!" <laughs> I love party <laughs> games, but there is this negative connotation for party games, and like. I think games like Code Names or like even five. I'm not sure if you've played like um, Five Minute Mystery, which is kind of the after Five Minute Dungeon. Very cool, but I think the negative connotation there is that it's just like, oh, this is a uh, for plebs. Like party yeah. games are for plebs, and yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Uh, yeah. okay. What games have you published? What do you got? What do you got out there currently?
1: Um. So we do have. Two games, so we're relatively new. Um, we just started doing this in 2019. Um, our first game, which we've been talking about for a while here, was Bank Heist, um, which is out in the world. It's in some stores in some, you know, neighboring states to us, um, and it's available for order online. We had a, a Kickstarter for it back in 2019, um, and that is a social deduction game. Um, our second game we just funded last fall. um, It's called Hungry for Humans. Uh, That's a totally different genre of game. Um, That one's more of a push your luck uh, two to five player game versus the five to eight player um, in Bank Heist. Um, But in this game, it's more of a uh, take that, push your luck kind of thing Um, that involves cryptids and food from West Virginia and it kind of honors our home state in that way um we had a really great artist uh named liz Pavlovic who did all the artwork for um she does a lot of things around the state so um we were lucky to work with her on that and um that one is gonna be actually it's on a boat and just went through the panama canal so we should have those (laughs) games with us we hope within the next three weeks or so um to get stuck in a port but we we feel pretty good about uh getting those soon but Um, Yeah, so those are the two games, Bank Heist, Social Deduction Game, and Hungry for Humans, um, which is a push-your-luck-take-that-style card game.
3: I'm excited for it. I backed it on Kickstarter. It it looks amazing. Oh, Oh,
1: thank you. Thank you so much.
3: And then you're saying anyone can order Bank Heist, like from the web, or is it on a throughput? Uh,
1: Our website, LonelyHeroGames.com, you can actually order both games. Um, bank Heist would ship, you know, within a day, and then the uh, Hungry for Humans will ship as soon as we get them in, and we think that's, like I said, here in the next three weeks or so.
3: Yeah, so I, I'm kind of curious about the distribution when I mean, you said, okay, to the state versus like surrounding states, any rationale for that specifically, or?
2: It, it's just the whole point of having this company. We could approach other companies and pitch our games to them and have them publish them, but um, my. My partner's always been real good to kind of keep our focus in that we're, we're not just trying to create games, we're trying to create something larger. And though it's not gonna be super fast and super huge, but if we keep putting out quality games, one right after another, eventually we're gonna have a, a large catalog and a company to be proud of. Literally, we were a door-to-door salesman when it came to the brick and mortar stores. Like I'd take a bag of games and go into a, a store and say, hey, I'd pitch it to them. A lot of them bought. So we have them in Pennsylvania, it's three or four locations, Pittsburgh, Morgantown, uh, Maryland, Northern Virginia. There's There was a store in New York who bought a few games. So it's just kind of nice. And then what we do is we always try to be good business people as well. So we'll advertise their store on our website and try to promote them on our social media. And Jared is a, a marketing wizard, um, just like with Hungry for Humans, you know, getting local restaurants involved and then they're their food item is on our card and it's like, you know, it's West Virginia pictures on the box, West Virginia cryptids in the game and then West Virginia restaurants with West Virginia food. When you're from West Virginia, it's easy because like, you know, we don't have a major sports team. We don't have a whole lot of national something to be, be, uh, you know, super proud of sometimes. So literally we'll say, oh, we'll hear all the time, oh, you guys make board games and you're from here. Well, that's cool, and then people are just excited to interview us or, or show our stuff off, and then we try to always return the favor for small businesses and such.
1: Mm-hmm. And I would say on the 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 whole like distribution side of it, the other thing that is um, kind of key for us is just the size of our business and, and the amount of games. Like Bank Heist, our initial run on that's a thousand games, and so. If we're throwing that on amazon like it's possible that we'd sell them but it's like what at what margin and that kind of thing and um it's it's almost better to because we know we'll get through these games at some point but this is going to sound kind of strange maybe but there's also there's like quality of sale and like if you sell someone in person when you don't have that many Um, and they remember you, they remember your company, they remember the experience selling them in person and that sort of thing. Um, it goes a long way towards building our brand long-term. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and like I said, you, when you don't have that many games and you're dealing with board games, you're already dealing with like razor thin margins. Um, it's just better if you're able to, but if you go through, distributor and then what it goes to wholesale and all those things like there's percentages that just keep getting cut down further and further um and this is not something that's making us money already so we definitely didn't want to put ourselves in a position where we're losing money doing it
3: Design Thinking Games is an affiliate of Space Engineers. Space Engineers is a sandbox game about engineering, construction, exploration, and survival in space and on planets. To find out more about Space Engineers, or its new DLC, Warfare 2, go to designthinkinggames.com slash space engineers, or just go to our website and click on the banner. A lot of people um, would love to get into game and game designs, right? And then a lot of people have, like, I don't even know where to start, or um, uh, I can understand how to get play testers online, or I can connect with communities, and I can build a version of it in Tabletop Simulator. And I'm sure you've heard, like, kind of all these things. But I uh, more so want to focus on if you had to give one piece of advice or you know, to anyone who's wanting to get in kind of game design, anyone who's where you were X amount of years ago, what's the advice that you would share with people who are wanting to design their own games?
1: The first thing is just sort of like an inner belief. Like it's first, I think you just need to understand that it's possible and it's not like, um, you know, it's easy to get into that mindset that like making games or making anything for that matter, um is like a world reserved for a special few it's not it's something that is possible if you're willing to put the time in and frankly like it's not the kind of time where you have to like drop everything and like give up your job and like neglect your family and that sort of thing it's it's just you know those few hours a week even um so it's just first understanding it's possible being willing to put some time into it um, and, and keep up with the time and not just like a few hours every six months but like you know weekly you know you're, you're putting something into it um, but then more of like a more of like an actual action outside of like the belief part of it um, is connecting there there are commute we're blessed in this day and age to have these online communities in places where people are willing to share their knowledge for free. It's, it was the most amazing thing to me to find these groups when we first got into this, especially for like the Kickstarter side of it, where I could go in and drop a question about how to approach something on Kickstarter. And within an hour, I had seven to eight people telling me seven to eight good things, you know, um, so I think is find your community. And then be willing to ask questions and not be afraid to look like you don't know. Because you don't, and people don't care that you don't. That's why they're there to tell you, you know, give you the information you seek. So, um, yes, I would say join a community, an online community, a Facebook group, or, you know, Reddit, whatever it is that you use. Um, there's people out there that are willing to help and, and use that help.
2: Obviously anything that's going to be good requires hard work. And like you said um, We both have Jared has like three jobs. I have a job. I have a busy family um, But you know just take that time that extra hour here the the Three or four hours you can squeeze out on a weekend and and work on it. And then the nice thing about a game uh, You know making a game is you can play with it. So you go have a get-together or a family function, and if your family you know, works that way, um, I we play my games every time there's a holiday. My family actually really likes them, <laughs> which is nice because they can phone it in for the first year and then be like, all right, we wanna play what, you, what we wanna play, but they actually request them. Um, the other thing is, and that, it's very easy to say, but very hard to do is to learn to take criticism. And people will give criticism in less than soft ways sometimes and you don't have to necessarily digest every little nugget of criticism thrown your way because sometimes people just give an opinion as opposed to constructive criticism but I know even with Jared he and I'll work together on something and he'll say something that I gotta you know take a couple deep breaths and go man I just don't know if that makes any sense and then it will and I know I'm I've probably said some things to him when we're kind of fine tuning a game where he's, he's kind of got to chew on it for a little while before we agree. But, um, but yeah, just taking criticism from people who, you know, are there to help and from people who you don't know and just, uh, not being in a hurry with that, you know, doesn't mean you got to change something every time somebody says they don't like this or they think this is a little clunky, but, um, but that's a skill that I think maybe is sometimes lost.
4: I love what you said about like the hard work, though, because, um, you know, uh, so I don't I don't make games, but I, on the side, I make I make audio dramas that have like, you know, soundscapes and they take forever to edit. And I'm and one of the cool things about like being part of like the the this kind of community or the, you, you know, and because of design thinking games and us being DMs and stuff, the TTRPG community. Is that what you actually get to see? Is like a ton of people putting out a ton of work constantly, and it's all good. And you don't have anything because you have a family and a 40 hour job, right? But it's really like I have to remind myself that, you know, a half hour a day, 30 minutes a day, um, will become something, well, you know, the episode will be great in the end or something like that. And it's just that constant reminder that, um, it doesn't matter if you're a fast worker it's just that you work right that's just that you do it and it's deliberate deliberately timed it's a consistent downward sustainable pressure because you can burn out and then you're not going to ever do it again um i always think like just the fact that like hey this is work and and managing that work and being okay with the fact that the pace is variable um helps a lot. So you just need to hear it. Sometimes I need to hear it, you know?
2: Well, and sometimes it's perspective, like my day job is very real life and very, just very real life. And, um, but it's also, you know, I have to be type A in that day job. So I get a phone call, I'm answering it within 20 minutes usually, or, um, calling somebody back and I'm, you know, shuffling through so many uh, people coming to see me every hour. And then sometimes like I'll slip into that with the game making and it'll make me crazy because like, Oh no, it's not fun like that. That's not my fun job. But then you got to think, okay, if this comes out in three days or three months, who cares? You know, like it's not going to change anything major. There's not a deadline except for what I put on myself. Let's just keep trying to make quality stuff as opposed to cut corners and rush mm-hmm. it or get burnt out with it. Like you said. Um, and Again, this is like a passion project for me. This is, uh, I relax and I enjoy it. And honestly, like selling a few copies of Bank Heist, having, having that little tiny balance in our Lonely Hero Games uh, account means more sometimes. And some days it's just I'm prouder of that than I am some of, the, some of the other stuff, you know?
3: How do you want to tell or communicate to people how to connect with you or um, support you?
1: We try to be fairly active on social media, especially, I would say, our Instagram is where, you know, I spend the most time sort of posting on our behalf, and Chris gets on there on occasion as well. And um, we're Lonely Hero Games on everything. Um, I think at this point, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, we have a TikTok, but we're not active on that, really. Um, But yeah, LonelyHeroGames.com. Um, people can contact us through the website. There's a contact form. Um, but yeah, if people want to reach out, like any way they want to, they can DM us on anything. Like we want to talk to people. Uh, we want to engage with people that like our games or just curious about our games or whatever it might be. Um, we sort of do this not to be. Like that's the best part about doing this is is getting together with people and seeing people and meeting people and like I have people that I consider actual friends now that I've met in the past three years going to conventions they don't live anywhere near me but it's like I know them from online and I nugget I to see them twice a year at Gen Con and Origins and um but yeah so people want to reach out to us like lonelyhero games.com com lonelyhero games on most social media platforms.
2: The only other thing I would uh, plug is we do have events running at Gen Con and at Origins this year. There's still tickets available. So if you guys want to come play, um, we're playing Bank Heist at Origins. I think there's like five hour blocks on Friday and Saturday, four hour blocks maybe. And then at Gen Con this year, we have uh, Bank Heist, I believe, on Friday for... We're running two tables three or four hours a piece and then hungry for humans on saturday same thing you can look us up on their event calendar and uh, there's still tickets available for all that
4: give us a like heart or follow um on your podcatchers of choice subscribe if you aren't to design thinking games we are on twitter and TikTok and twitch as design thinking games and if you heard potentially like a really excellent uh, ad spot that tim or i designed you too could have one of these. We are fairly affordable (laughs) and, uh, and uh, I'm just excited to help people um, uh, elevate their voices a little bit. So consider uh, supporting us any way you can uh, or on patreon.com slash
0: design thinking games. Thank you for listening to the design thinking games podcast. You only have so much time and it means a lot. You shared it with us to connect with your hosts, Michael or Tim. Visit Design Thinking Games on TikTok, Twitch, and Twitter. DMs are open. You can also check out designthinkinggames.com where you can request topics, ask questions, or see what else is going on. Until next time, game on.